We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. This morning, I'm going to ask my wife, Yvonne, to come. She's going to share with you her report from the Kenya trip. Her nephew just walked in, so I wanted to make sure she saw him. Welcome, Steve. We're glad you're here this morning. Yvonne, come. I'm glad she's back from Kenya, and she is, I think, glad as well. Very glad. It was a really great trip. Um, I think I shared with you before that for me to step out on going on a trip like this by myself was really a big step. So um, he's asked me to share a few photos, which was really hard. I want you to know I've got lots of photos. But I know he didn't want me to be that family member that makes you sit for hours and hours and hours on their vacation trip. So I tried to pick out just a few, and um, I'm going to try to get through this and just kind of highlight it. There's a lot of details that I'm not going to be able to go into, but it was a really good trip. Uh, But first, uh, I'll just kind of, if some of you didn't hear my testimony before, after Steve's dad passed away and we had the service and we were getting ready to go home and it just came into my mind, well, I wonder if Gary and Carolyn Bird would be in Arlington. So I asked him, I said, would it be too far out of the way if we drove to Dallas and then went that way? And he said, no, if they're there, we'll do that. So they were there. We went and had lunch. And Carolyn started sharing the vision that she has always wanted to take free camp to Africa. She's, she's wanted to do that for years and years, and God had opened up a way to go this year. And as she was sharing the story, I, I felt in my heart that the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to go. So I just popped up and I said, can I go? (laughs) I just kind of invited myself and she's like, well, sure, if you want to go. She goes, but we've already bought our tickets. I don't know if you can go. Our plane is full. And I'm like, that's okay. I'll travel by myself if nobody else can go. Well, it ended up, I did get a ticket and I did get to go. Um, So can we start on the slides? And I think he shared with you that after my long trip of getting there and I was sitting there by the baggage claim thinking that it would work a lot like some of our airports and that they would be coming in too and be picking up their bags there. So I'm just sitting there and I'm waiting. All of a sudden I get a call. Hey, are, do you have a black and white purse? Yes, I do. Well, come on outside. We're already outside. So I grab my stuff and I run to the exit where you have to scan everything again. And in my excitement to get with everybody, I left my book back at the um, it was like customs. Uh, I left it there. Didn't realize it till we got all the way to the house, which was like over an hour drive. And they're unloading everything. I go, well, the only thing I'm missing is my book bag. And they're like, book bag? We don't remember loading a book bag. I'm like, because oh. ladies, I think you can relate to this. I had put my makeup, all my medicines, my Bible, my iPad. Everything was in this book bag, thinking that if my luggage didn't make it, I would at least have my essentials so I could get through the night, you know? Gone. So it just really kind of took my feet out from under me at first. You know how you kind of get sucker punched? And I was just like, oh, my word, you know. And, of course, being exhausted on top of it. So I send Steve a text, you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, and I'm just going on and on. So he turns around, and he sends me a text. Suck it up. (laughs) Suck it up and give the devil his due. So I went in and I shared with the rest of the group of what my husband said, and they're all going, he really said, suck it up? <laughs> I said, yes, he did. But he also said, give the devil his due. And uh, so that kind of became the theme, just suck it up. So we kind of 
we did. So, but the next day, we, you know, and by that night, I was like, okay, Lord, not a big deal. I can buy makeup, you know, all this kind of stuff. Not a big deal. So if we don't find it, I'll just go do that. So the next day, we went to the airport, and through lots of lots of stops, we finally went into the office of the, um, where you walk out, and right behind the lady was sitting my book bag. And they didn't know what to do with it because it didn't have a name on it because obviously I had carried it in and I, there was no name on it and they were just sitting, it was just sitting there and they weren't quite sure what to do with it. And I was like, that's my bag. So, and it had everything in it, hadn't been disturbed. So my makeup made it. <laughs> so anyway, let's go to the next slide. But you know, I feel like God is interested even in whether I got my makeup or not, you know? He cares about us. So I believe that he cares whether it's big or it's small. Well, this is Mike, Tammy, and Joseph McRae. About five years ago, Mike was a pastor, and they'd been in pastor for quite a few years. But Tammy, since she was just a young girl, had felt like she had been called to missions. And the way she put it is, God finally told Mike that he was called to missions too. But Mike, on the side, had been working with a drilling company, so he, he knew all the ins and outs and all this. And God laid on their heart to go to Africa and to start drilling water wells because I'm sure most of us know that the water conditions over there are not good at all. And a lot of the rural areas out in the bush, they have to walk to a creek, they get water, and that's their drinking water, that's their cooking water, that's the water that they use for everything. And so their vision is to be able to go in into these destitute areas and drill and be able to bring these people water. So with our trip, we're going along with them and we're bringing the living water through our camp to the children. So as we're digging for the fleshly water that supplies this body, we were bringing them the gospel of Jesus, the living water that gives them eternal life. So uh, they were a super great couple. They were lots of fun, and uh, we just had a great time with them. The next slide, this is on our trip on our way out to, because we were about an hour away from where the camp was, and this is the slum area of Nairobi. And Nairobi's slum area is one of the largest slum areas in the entire world. Now, they did mention to us that they've actually brought Kenya off of the third world country list, which in the city, I can understand that. But as soon as you step out into the rural, I don't understand that because they are still very much a third world country. Let's see. The next slide is a picture of the drilling rig. And they drove that out the night before, and they parked it right in the compound uh, where the church is located. Um, she just ha she has like a classroom area. She has a, a sanctuary, which you'll see a picture of pretty soon. Uh, the, the bathroom area, and she lives on the campus. And so right there is where they were going to dig the well, so that the people in the neighboring would be coming to the church to get their water. So now, and I think uh, you probably under heard this the prayer request about the permit. They had submitted for the permit like two months ago, and they said it usually takes just a couple of weeks at the most to get a permit. Well, here we are, we're there, and they're wanting to start drilling, and there's still no permit. They keep saying, oh, it's been approved, it's been approved, you can just go ahead. 
Well, he was smart enough to know that, no, we don't go ahead until we have that physical permit in our hand because if they come out there and you don't have that, you're going to go to jail. So he kept waiting and they kept saying, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So I sent Amy a text and I said, please pray. Because again, we felt like Satan was just trying to stop what God was trying to do. So with your prayers, that permit came through and they were actually able to start drilling on Tuesday. Now, normally, the soonest they've ever hit water was four days or longer, usually. They started drilling Tuesday morning, and by the time we got home that evening from our second day of training, they hit water. And they hit a lot of water. So that, too, was an answer from God. The next slide, this is just a picture of the inside of the chapel. This is where we did our training with the uh, counselors that came, and then this is the Sunday that we did the dedication. It was full of chairs, and um, we had service there, and we dedicated everything. The next slide is, these were the counselors that came. Because of the language barrier, yes, most people there do speak English, but some don't. And with the children, some of them didn't at this point. So we had the counselors from the area, and most of them were school teachers, so they happened to also be on school break as the children were. So we had 13 the first day, so we did training. And then on the second day, we, didn't, we only had about 11 that showed up. But the first day, you know, we're going through the training, and they're looking at you, and they're smiling. Do, do you understand? Yeah, we understand, you know, but you're thinking, do they really understand? Because... Uh, Mike and Tammy said, they won't always tell you when they don't understand something. They'll just act like they do understand. But anyway, the second day, so we did kind of a mock camp. So we pretended that the counselors were the the children and Carolyn was their counselor. And so we just kind of walked through the whole camp. And they got into it. I mean, they started having so much fun. And I think it just kind of really started dawning on them what we were going to do. So we had a great time that day. Um, with the counselors. And those two days while we were doing counseling, Pastor Eunice, the pastor of that church, she brought us lunch, or she made us lunch. So we actually got to have Kenyan food those two days while we were out there, which was wonderful. It was, it was so good. The next, the next uh, picture, this is a picture of the counselors doing their ACE Award. The ACE Award stands for Attitude, Character, and Example. And in each group, each group would do an ACE Award for each child. So they would have the child leave the group, and then the rest of them would say, what's, you know, they talk about the attitude that that child portrayed. And they talked about the character of that child. And then the example that that child shows, you know, about all those things. And they would draw a picture, and that was for their, for that child. So at the end of the week, when they were all done, the child would go home with an ACE award that the other children had drawn that represented them and what they thought of them. So that was a wonder, wonderful experience with that. They also had what she called a cadence. So they each had groups. So they were like, we did, went with a Western thing. So they were like coyotes or hay or corn or, you know, we just let them pick their ones. And so they also had to come up with like a, like a chant or a cheer, you know, to go along with those cadences. And they absolutely loved that. They came up with some really great ones. Um, we had some video, but the video's not going to be able to play, but they just loved stuff like that. The next picture is a picture of Pastor Eunice's home, the inside of her home, and the 
the feast that she had fixed for us for lunch. And uh, she was such a gracious lady. The next slide shows our first day at camp. It had rained all night long, and there was no concrete. It was all mud. So we had like four inches of mud. So instead of wearing our cowboy boots, we pulled out our rain boots. And that's just an example of what we um, were working in. The next slide, the same day, this shows all the kids. We had brought tarps. So in their each individual group, they, they would go out to their tarp when it was time to do something. And without even having to be told, these children would take their shoes off before they got on the tarp. And these counselors, we ended up with 11 counselors. By the end of the camp, we had 287 children. So divide 287 by 11. Our counselors had anywhere from 26 to 30 children all by themselves. The children were magnificent. They did what they were told. They weren't rowdy. They weren't causing trouble. They were, I asked them if I could just take these and bring some of ours back over. (laughs) Can I exchange them for just a little bit? Because it it was just really amazing how well behaved these children were. The next slide is my favorite. Of course, we had children that wanted to give their heart to the Lord. And this young man with a bandana, his name is Moses. And he and another young man, Morris, uh, were our helpers. They were our interpreters. And this is a picture of Moses leading a young little man to the Lord. And that right there is why we went, was to change children's lives. The next slide, we had several games. And this game was a balloon where you had to put it under your neck and then you had to get your next person to take it and you couldn't touch it with your hands. And they absolutely loved the games. Another one was with a balloon where they'd blow it up and they'd have to use the air out of it to push a cup off. They loved the games. They just had so much fun with them. The next picture is just a picture of the children eating. All three days, we were able to feed all the children. And most of the the time, their meals are rice and maybe a little bit of chicken and broth that they pour over it and all that. But with almost 300 children, the pots were from the floor up to here full of rice and then another one with all the broth and the chicken and all that. And the children would line up in line. I don't know if I actually added a picture of it. Um, There was a line over there for the water. They always went straight over to wash their hands and then they came over and got in line to get food. And again, never rowdy, never trying to push in line. They just, they just, Whatever you ask them to do, they did. They were so wonderful. This next picture is a picture of a little girl. She couldn't have been, I'm going to say, eight or nine. And the little one sitting in her lap is her little sister. And she came with that little sister strapped on her back, and she had her all day long because her mama works, and it's her job to take care of her younger siblings. So even when that child would cry, which she did a lot, because anytime any of us would get close to her, she would start screaming. So we didn't go close to her, but uh, she would cry, and that her, little, her older sister, she never got upset with her. She was never harsh with her. She would just get up, and she'd walk her around until she'd, she would uh, quiet down. And it was amazing, because she wasn't the older one. And these children walked to the camp. Um, 
the next picture is just a picture of us all having prayer, and they just would hold hands, and, and they were just all united together. And again, there was no complaining. There was no being disrespectful. The next picture is, if you are friends with me on Facebook, it, I actually showed it. These little boys, they were dancing. They loved to dance. They all loved to dance. And these little boys, they were getting down. Let me tell you, they were having so much fun. This next picture, that group right there, there's pretty close to 30 children right there. That group walked five miles to come to our camp. From little to big, five miles to get to camp. That broke my heart. That broke my heart that they walked five miles. And we're talking, it's not good conditions what they're walking in. It's, it's pretty tough, but they wanted to come to camp so bad that they walked five miles. This next picture is a picture of the last day. We had them with their counselors. We had them all lined up on the side of the hill with the water well in the back. And um, this was our last day. Yes, there were a lot of tears on our part because we just fell in love with each and every one of them. And, and um, we just had a great time with them. The, the last day of camp, we had probably close to 30 children come forward to give their hearts to the Lord. How wonderful is that? Yes, amen. So as the water well was being dug and the water that gives them life in their physical bodies, we were able to bring the life of Jesus into their hearts. And, and it was just a very, very moving week for me because of the, the attitude of the children, the attitude of the counselors. The counselors, like I said, they would have 26 to 30 kids never complained. Every time we had another child for them, they came over with a big, big grin on their face and they'd take that child and they'd take them over to their group. And they were, they were so good with the kids. They were so animated with the kids on doing stuff. I mean, they just got right in there with them so that they drew the kids in. And when they'd sit down and we had made a little devotional um, for them to each take home with scripture verses and a verse to actually put their name in, you know, or whoever they're praying for to take it home. And they would go through these little books with them, and they would have them reciting these verses. And so I just cannot say enough about these counselors. God blessed us. Even though we didn't have 26 counselors like we had really hoped we would have, we had 11 of very dedicated, very full of Jesus counselors that were able to just give the love of Jesus right back to them. The next picture, um, this is the Sunday that we dedicated everything, and um, it was just a great time in the Lord during worship. They had a piano, and they had worship leaders. I love them to death, but not a one of them could sing. Not a one of them could carry a tune. But that didn't matter. They sang their hearts out. And from the moment they started singing, the power of Jesus was in that room. So it didn't matter what instruments they had. It didn't matter whether they could carry a tune or not. They were worshiping Jesus. And the minute they started doing that, God showed up. I mean, I couldn't understand a word they were saying because they were singing in another language. But I knew Jesus was there. I knew the Holy Spirit was there because you could sense him. And it made me cry. Because I thought back home and 
you know, if it's too hot or if it's too cold or if we don't have this or if we don't have that, we just don't seem to be able to worship. But they had so little, but were so thankful for what they had. And the minute they opened their mouths to sing, God was there. He was so there. And I just wept. Lord, can't we all have so much gratitude in our heart for you that it doesn't matter if somebody's singing off tune or if somebody doesn't show up to play an instrument, that no matter what, we just praise you, Father. And it was hot in there. We were dripping in sweat. They were, but it didn't matter because the power of God was in that place. And I said, Lord, please help us to get to the point to where we get away from the superficial and we put our eyes on you. Our eyes are so focused on you that everything doesn't ma- everything else doesn't matter. Because that's what it's going to take to win our world. <clears throat> this next sign is just a sign of the church. I will not even try to pronounce it. I will butcher it. But um, it's just a... It's an IPH church, in case you're interested. And um, it's just a lovely, lovely little place. They have nothing but what they have they're so thankful for. And God has blessed them. This next picture is a picture of the three of us that had joined with Carolyn. The lady on the left is Valerie. She's from Montana. She had never been to a a kids' camp. She had only met Carolyn once. And the same thing had happened. Carolyn had been sharing, and she asked Carolyn if she could come along. The young man in the middle is Chris. He's from um, Amarillo, Texas. And so he has worked with Carolyn on free camps before. So he was the only one who actually knew what he was getting into. And then, of course, I'm on the other side. And I'm from Florida. So we kind of represented the United States. Uh, The next slide... Yeah, I, this is an actual video. I was hoping it would be able to play, but this is a video of the temporary pump that they put on where the well is, and the water was just flowing. He said they gathered more water out of this well than they had any other well. And just the, the water flowing is just so awesome, and I was hoping the video would work, but, um, but he said it's actually pumping 52 gallons per minute which is a huge well, huge, 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 huge. The next few pictures are just of some animals because we did go on a safari uh, there locally. Of course, the giraffe, the gazelle, uh, the lion. That was really cool. The next one. Now, most of you know, if you know me at all, you know I don't do selfies. I don't do selfies at all. But I wanted you to see how close we were to that lion. (laughs) So I stuck my head over and I took a a selfie on that one. And then rhinoceroses. So that was a fun time. This next picture is um, this couple right here. They're brother and sister. And their mother back in the 1990s had felt a burden for the children on the streets that she kept running in contact with. And so she started working with them. And um, as her vision grew, um, they were working out of one location, and the owner sold it, so they were going to have to go somewhere else. Well, there was another young lady that knew them, and her father had, was giving her, in her inheritance, a piece of property. And she felt like the Lord was telling her to give it 
to this group, this family. And um, so she went and she told them about this land. And um, the young man on the right, he was like, no, I wasn't going to go talk to her dad and say, she's giving us this land. He goes, I wasn't going to do that. He goes, so he didn't go and approach the father. And time went on and time went on. And the daughter just kept talking to him to where the father finally came to him and said, how come you haven't come to me? And he was like, oh, I wasn't going to be that presumptuous. He goes, I, you know, I wasn't going to do that. And the father gave the blessing on the daughter, giving them the property. And since then, they've been able to buy a little bit on each side to where now they have almost an acre of property where they have built the, uh, it's an IPH orphanage. It's called Mercy's Hope. Um, There's been about 750 children that have passed through this orphanage. Uh, And... Around 2000 is when they were able to move to that location, and then they've started building um, the buildings. The next slide is their sanctuary. The next slide is the inside of their sanctuary where they worship. And the next slide, this is a little bit more a picture of the compound. Um, Straight ahead is the kitchen area. To the right is the sleeping quarters for the children. They have I, somewhere in the 40s right now of children there. Um, they have breaks. They, they have school year-round, and they have breaks. And we were there during one of the breaks. But most of the children had already left to go back to school. And the children go to boarding school um, in Kenya. So um, there was only a few left that hadn't left yet. We had some leaving that day, and then there were some leaving in the next day. The next slide shows in the back there is the wash area and they have ladies in the community that like to come and help out and they come in and they'll do like the laundry for everybody there at the camp the next picture is a picture of the boys bunks as you can see the blue covers and then the girls bunks were just like that but only they had pink covers which i thought was cute the next picture shows lockers these are the lockers that each individual child has to put any of their personal belongings in The next picture is a picture of their kitchen area. Now, their kitchen area they haven't had for uh, very long. It's fairly new, so that's the washing area. And and you can see there they're cutting up chicken. They're getting ready to prepare the meal. The next is where they they have wood underneath, and they do all the cooking right there. And the next slide shows a little bitty oven that they're cooking for all of these kids and adults and just this little bitty uh, oven. To us, that'd be like in a little apartment-sized oven. Yeah, I looked at that, and I was like, wow, that's small <laughs> for all those people that they're feeding. The next picture is um, their milking cow. Um, they actually did breed her, and they've got a few younger cows, and when they get older, they'll have more cows for milking. Uh, right now, she supplies their milk, but they're hoping as it grows to be able to not only have their own milk, but to be able to sell milk also. So this, this camp is a, or orphanage is a working orphanage. And the next picture shows their, uh, their, their crop area where they, they're planting and, and growing not only for themselves, but to also be able to turn around and sell and bring funds into the camp. And the next picture is a picture they are developing a tilapia farm. And again, that will give them fish also for eating, but also to be able to sell. Right now they have about 1,000 uh, fish in there. The last picture is just a picture of us with the ones that were still there, just a few of the children and some of the um, workers. 
Um, I wanted to let Ann know, Ann, you had sent me with a whole bunch of crayons and colored pencils and rulers, and our intention at the beginning was to leave them there with Pastor Eunice, which we did leave her with stuff for her because she has uh, kids' programs. And then when we came back and we realized that we had still had them, we thought, well, we'll just leave them with the missionaries. And then when it turned out that we were going to get to go see the orphanage, it's like, they're supposed to go to the orphanage. And so we loaded up all that stuff and we took it out there and they, they were just thrilled. Along with that, we also bought rice and sugar and, of course, a few treats, cookies and candy for the kids. But um, we took all of that out there and we were able to bless them. So I wanted you to know that everything that I took, and I took it all because I took stuff else just so I could take it all, was really a blessing over in Kenya. <clears throat> this next picture is on their office wall. This is their vision. This is what they see whenever they look around their camp. This is their vision for the orphanage. Wouldn't it be great if we partnered with them to make that vision come true? I think Steve has shared with you over in Bangladesh how he and many teams help build the Home of Hope over there. Every year, a new, a new level would go up. And his dad worked on every level of that home of hope. And how many levels? Seven? Five. Five levels. But every year, teams would go over, and they'd, some would lay the bricks. Some do, you know, everybody doing a part. But through somebody's vision, home of hope was built. So when I saw that, I wanted to make sure I took a picture because I want to see that camp like they see that camp. How about you? I think it would be great if we could share that vision. And the last slide, this is a close-up. This is a family uh, endeavor. The mother is the one who started with it, but the father and the two children, that's what they do is this orphanage for children. Our mission is to reach all people by all means. And not every one of us will go out of our country and go to another country and, and work in missions. But I do believe that God speaks to each of us about our own mission field, wherever that may be, here or abroad. I see people share stories on Facebook about needs, and they say, where's the church? Well, I want to look at them, and I go, aren't you the church? You know, we see needs, and we say, well, why isn't the church doing this, or why isn't the church doing that? If we call ourselves a Christian, we as individuals are the church. And if we see something that pricks our heart, or we see it like Jesus sees it, maybe he's saying, you need to step up. You need to lead a group to go change that situation. So even though we won't all go across the seas for missions, we have lots of missions right here in our own back door. So if we can just change from being the expecting everybody else to do it and be the, I want to be the change. I want to be the one who makes life better for somebody else. Whether that's your neighbor or somebody across the United States, wherever that may be, my prayer is that God will touch our hearts so much that no matter where we are, we want to be an instrument of change. So that's my trip. I thank you so much for praying over me. It sure helped. 
It was two weeks. It was a long two weeks, but yet it was a short two weeks. Every night when we'd get in and we'd be kind of resting up, you know, we were all like, oh, I'm so ready to go home. But then the next day would come and we'd have something else to do, and that day would pass quickly. So when you're involved in what God wants you to do, the time does go fast, and you think, man, if we just need a little bit more time to do this, or we could do that. But please, let me challenge you today, even if you never step foot on a plane to go across the seas, please be a vision, be a visionary and be a change agent here in the United States. We have so many things that, that need God in the middle of them. So please, don't be one of those that says, where's the church? Let's be the church. Amen? Thanks, Yvonne. I appreciate that. I want to take just a couple of moments, and yes, I am aware of the time, put a capstone on what she has presented. You know that I grew up in western Oklahoma. It's a very arid desert place on the high plains. Water is precious, just as it is in Kenya. Across much of Africa, they've been in a drought for years now, and things are very, very severe. There's a story in Numbers chapter 21. You can find it in verses 16 through 18. As Israel is approaching the promised land, concluding that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness of the desert, they came to another place called Beer that's translated well, and they had no water. God told them to go to that place because it was a well. But when they got there, there was no water. There was no well. Nothing could be seen. All they saw was dust, dry ground, scrub brush covering that entire area. And the Lord gave them specific instructions regarding how to find water in that place. He said, gather together the people and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, spring up, O well. All of you sing it. Spring up, O well. As I read those verses and thought about them last week, I realized that there's a lot of times you and I find ourselves in dry places. Places where what we need just isn't there. Places where we thought God led us to a place or a position to meet or supply, yet when we get there, what we need is not found. That's what happened in Israel's case. Now, this wasn't the first time they had needed water. Tom, would you come back, please? Not the first time they needed water while they were in the wilderness. The first time they needed water, God said to Moses, take your rod, strike the rock, and the water will come out. When you read the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said that Jesus was that rock from which the water came. The second time they needed water, it was that found water was bitter. It wasn't drinkable. And God said to Moses, cut down a tree, throw it in the waters, and the waters will become sweet. That's exactly what happened. The third time, again, they needed water, and God this time said to Moses, speak to the rock, and the water will come forth. But you know the story. It's in the previous chapter of Numbers where Moses was so irritated with the Israelites at that point that he took his frustration out on what God commanded him to do. And rather than speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. And that act of disobedience precluded him from going into the promised land. So now we come to this place where for the fourth time in their history, since they've left Egypt, they needed water. And in this point, God didn't say to Moses, speak to the rock or strike the rock or throw a tree. He said, go to this place where there is a well, only there was no well there. It was all dust and dry ground. And on this instance, God said, the people have to be involved in the provision. Somebody needs to hear this right now, because your entire life you have depended on someone else to bring God to you. 
This morning, God is saying it's time for you to participate in receiving the things of God into your life. He said, you're going to go and you're going to say to the people, tell them to sing, spring up, oh well. What was God saying? God's saying the water's there, you just can't see it. The provision is there, you just haven't received it. You haven't noticed, you haven't cleared away the rubble in order to receive what God has for you. He said, you say to the people, sing, spring up, oh well. Sing it, everyone, spring up, oh well. That's what he's saying to them in that instance. And then he said, have your leaders take their staffs, that normal instrument they use to assist in their walking, and drive them in the ground. And when they drove them in the ground and the people of Israel sang that song, water began to come up out of that well. God is saying to some of us in this room today, stop depending on someone else to bring you to God's provision. It's time for you to stick your staff in the ground and sing, spring up a well, spring up a well. The provision is there, the well is there. Stop looking all around and look to Him. So many times when there's needs in our life, we look to the doctor or the attorney or the CPA or the banker. When God is saying, just look what's under your feet, all you have to do is get the dust out of the way, stick your staff in the ground and say, spring up a well and watch his provision come. Watch how he miraculously does that. Why did he involve the people? Because in not very long of a time, they're going to face the biggest test of their life. They were going to cross the Jordan River. And the first city they had to conquer was the city of Jericho, which had never been breached by an alien army. Never been conquered by an enemy because the wells were so tall. And God needed them to participate in singing to the water so that they would understand obedience always brings blessing. Obedience always brings blessing. We need to understand that as well. So when they went to Jericho, God said, walk around the city with the mouth shut for six days. And on the seventh day, you walk seven times. And on the seventh time, you lift a, sh a shout of praise and the walls will fall down. I'm convinced if they hadn't sang to the wells of beer, they would never have done what God wanted them to do at Jericho. But he took them to the place where water was supposed to be that they couldn't see, showed them how to receive the provision so they could step into the promised land and conquer a city that had never been conquered by obeying the word of God. Some of us in this place this morning are in that place of dryness. We're looking for an answer. We're looking for supply. We're looking for help. Reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve years she had struggled with a physical ailment. No one had helped her. But one day she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch Jesus, everything will be right. You know what she's saying? She said, if I can sing to my problem, God's going to be my answer. And that's exactly what happened in that scripture. We need to understand that we become desperate when we're in dry places. And when we're in that place of desperateness, that place of dryness, we need to hear the word of the Lord. And some in this room today need to sing to the well. You need to believe that provision is there. God wants to bring it up as you respond in obedience to him. Sometimes that need is financial. Maybe you're out of a job or your business isn't going as you desire. It's time to sing to the well this morning, to plant your staff and watch God bring the supply. 
Maybe that need is physical and you've struggled with the physical ailment. It's time to sing to the well and watch God bring those living waters up to change your life. Maybe your need is relational. Perhaps you and your spouse don't get along. Maybe you've been divorced and you say, I'll never find someone again. God says, sing to the well and watch how I provide. Maybe your children are in rebellion and you don't know what to do with them. God says in that dry place, sing to the well and watch what I will provide. In every instance, when we move to a place of obedience, God brings us to a place of blessing. The dry place, all they needed to do was remove the obstruction to receive the water that God had promised. They had to move the dust. They had to remove the brush. They had to drive their staves into the ground and see God move through them. Stand to your feet this morning. I believe that there are some in this room that God is saying to you, it's time to sing to the well. You saw that picture of the well in Africa producing 53 gallons a minute of fresh, pure, clean, drinkable water. That's what God wants to do in our lives today. I've asked Tom to pull out an old song. Many of you remember it. And I want you to sing it out. And listen, here's the instruction. If you're in this room this morning and you're in a dry place, you need God to do something for you. As he begins to sing, you step out and you begin singing to that well. The provision is there. You simply have to step into it. Obey God and receive the blessing he already has in store for you. Sing it out, Tom. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.